Busy as a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. We're excited to have Natasha Guerra with us this morning. She is the CEO of Runway East. And if you listen to the Juicy podcast, you know I'm going to ask the same question I always ask, which is, Natasha, how are you like as a human, not your business? How are you doing? Yeah, thank you so much for um, having me, Liz. Um, I'm doing really well, thank you. I have literally just got back from a trip to Portugal uh, for a friend's wedding. Um, So feeling very relaxed vibes after getting to switch off from work for a few days and always like find you know a holiday a good opportunity to like recharge and come back to like lots of exciting projects and be raring to go i love it i love it i'm actually going at the end of november to porto for co-working europe and i'm super looking forward to it oh awesome yeah very fun okay so how is your business going yeah we're having a really exciting time in the business We opened a location in Brighton earlier this year, Mm -hmm. which is the second city we've done outside of London. So we've been in Bristol for about five years now. So we're, you know, we're heading for all the bees because we're about to open a site in (laughs) Bloomsbury as well. Mm -hmm. So we've got nine locations now, about 320,000 square feet. This location in Bloomsbury will be our like third largest location and the biggest location we've opened all at one time. So it's going to be spanning like 45,000 square feet. And wow. yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think we've kind of like, every time you do a new one, you sort of design and you learn from the things that you, you've done in the past. And I think they get better and better each time. Absolutely. And congratulations. That's incredible. What fantastic growth. Thank you. And, you know, for those of us who don't know Runway East, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Of course, I know about it because I've known you for years, but... Tell us a little bit about Runway East and your journey. And also, I'm very interested to know how you came up with the name. <laughs> the name. People ask us that. And we've, over the years, we've considered, we've considered whether we should actually ditch the East and just be Runway. Mm. But a famous brand, branding guy who I think started like Ogilvy said to me that like a brand is a bit about story. And if your brand name doesn't have a story, then it won't be very memorable. So we decided to keep the East. But I guess the origin story is... I think, you know, we came all from a startup background and we're all tech and startup people that are kind of moved into property. And I guess we wanted to create a space that genuinely had a community as we felt like people kind of using that word a lot, but not necessarily living it. And I guess we wanted to also create a space like by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs that really had their needs and their, you know, what they were looking for at the heart of it. So our first location was within Shoreditch. At the time, dubbed Silicon Roundabout, literally on Silicon Roundabout. And that's where all the kind of like tech startup um, people were in that era. And I guess we had like a very long corridor for our first office and we painted it yellow and it looks a little bit like a runway. So we called it Runway East. And I oh, guess I love the, that. Yeah, the runway is so I guess like a, a term that's used for like how much runway you've got left, like how much, how long, much longer you can survive. So it's quite synonymous with, you know, with that kind of world and yeah and I guess that's kind of the original story um, and I think we liked I think on the first of all we had a cheesy saying around you can have just one mile of highway uh, yeah take off you know we like the kind of ode to taking off 
and that being like part of the startup journey. Yeah, for sure. I guess we also used to have lots of like light themed yellow and black branding. That's that side of the business has matured as we we got a bit older and <laughs> and grown up. But if you look around the sites now, you can see the odd Easter egg to our flight theme. That's <laughs> still around. Oh, I like that. I like that. And then you guys really focus on tech and startups. It, like, what else sets you apart in the market? I think you know, you know, it's, it's becoming a very very busy market. Actually, I think. You know, actually, really, what we do is not that different from what we've always done. And I think it's to be that place that, like, really under understands the people that work there. Where our major focus mm-hmm. is kind of around destroying, like, boring office culture and creating spaces that people actually want to come to. I think the big, large part of the startup movement and why so many people have joined startups is, you know, that's the culture or the kind of companies they want to work for. They can work for something they believe in. And I think the places that you work, the place that you work should reflect um, those companies too. Um, and, you know, so I guess like in terms of how we look at our faces, we make sure that the design is always vibrant, like no two locations are the same. Um, we want people to mm-hmm. feel like it's their place. Um, and so the design is done with the building in mind and the surroundings in mind. And, you know, we spend, I guess, a third of our lives at work. So our view is that it's crucial that you work somewhere that you actually want to be. And for us, that also, you know, moves into the people that work for us and for the spaces where like attention to detail is like super important for our members and also creating like a fun, welcoming environment. So we put on a lot of events and we have a lot of weekly rituals, which we try to make a bit different. And I guess that's what we think sets us apart. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, I'm curious, I was just thinking, I was like, I bet hybrid like the move to hybrid didn't really affect you guys that much would be my guess because I feel like the startup and tech scene have always known that like they're better in kind of an incubator environment where they can talk to other people and hear what other people are doing and get the latest on, you know, which AI tool they should be using or whatever. So I'm just curious if I'm right on that or not because I was just like, oh, I bet that didn't really affect you guys because I feel like that community has always valued the proximity knowledge that happens in a community workspace. Interestingly, in London, I would say that Shoreditch and the tech sector is the most heavily affected by really work. Yeah, because a lot of tech companies have gone fully remote because they can Mm. go fully remote. I think that is changing and a lot are coming back to the office. I think a lot started with, you know, we'll meet for retreats. And now it's, and then it was, okay, we'll have a day in the office a month. And then mm-hmm. it's a day a week. And it's, you know, I think it is creeping up for a lot of people. But I do actually think tech companies have been affected. And I think mm. we've been affected in one way, but it's also opened up an, a different pool of companies that might not have considered us before because a lot of companies have downsized from their office space. And so that's meant a lot mm-hmm. of people coming out of leases thinking, actually, we want something more flexible now. So, mm. You know, like any shift in a market, there are challenges and opportunities. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then earlier, I heard you mention real estate, and I'm really curious how you identify as a company because one of the things we've been really pushing at Juicy is for people to move kind of out of identifying as real estate and into hospitality because we feel like it was kind of like a like a misnomer that was set up kind of I don't know how 
where everyone was just like in real estate and we've taken a look at it and we're like, but are you like, sure, real estate's part of your business, but were you really in the hospitality business? I'm just curious where you stand. It's a funny question because I think for the first five years of our life, if you'd asked us if we were a real estate business, we'd be like, oh, what? <laughs> no, we're a space <laughs> service business. We're basically a, a SaaS company, but instead of selling software, we sell space. So I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle and it probably now depends who we're talking to or the context of the conversation. Like when we're looking at expanding the business, like we have our real estate hat on. We're looking at market trends, understanding what landlords want from us in their building, you know, thinking about the, you know, how to help them with the valuations of their property, how to generate more like premium returns from those spaces. And then, you know, when dealing with our members, because I guess in some ways we kind of a two, we've got two customers because we, we partner with the landlords. So when we're dealing with our other customers, we're purely a hospitality business. And, you know, our focus is on giving members the, the kind of service that keeps them coming back and makes them rave about us to their friends. And I think that's super important to think about that when you're in a co-working or flex business, because unlike a traditional real estate business where people sign a 10-year lease and they don't really have a choice but to come back day in, day out, because someone at the top of the company has decided that's where they're working. It's not a question. When you run a flex space, people can just pick up and leave. So if you don't keep that service element, if you aren't thinking like hospitality business, you will lose customers. Totally. Totally. I really like that. I think that's smart. It kind of depends on who you're talking to. So are you guys doing management agreements or what? how are your deals structured now? Our deal structure in all of our locations is like a joint venture partnership with the landlord. So it's a waterfall kind of profit share agreement, essentially. Typically in the form of a turnover lease. Excellent. Excellent. And are you finding landlords are more agreeable these days? I think they have. I think it's difficult and it's definitely a lot harder than doing leases. You know, you can't take Mm -hmm. every building. You've got to build trust with the landlord and rapport. So it can take a lot Mm -hmm. longer to do the deals. But in our experience, once we've done, you know, once we're into the buildings, like we have a great relationship with many of our landlords, several of whom we've expanded to second buildings with, are looking at more space. And so I think the relationship is much, much better once it's, you know, been made, but it does take longer to make. I think that's the that's the challenge. And I think, you know, landlords do have a legitimate concern around valuations. And until, you know, the whole valuing of flexible office space shifts, I think that is the challenge they need to overcome to make sure that they're not, you know, making any long term that they're not damaging the, the value of the asset, which is ultimately, you know, their job. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then just switching gears, you mentioned events and we talked about community a little bit. We're just hearing a lot of buzz lately around amenities. And I'm curious if there's any new amenities you guys have rolled out with some of your new locations or if you have something that you're like thinking about or you know, incubating that you can share with us? Because we're always on the lookout for like, what's an amenity that's like super interesting that we haven't heard of yet? Like I got, I'm a member of a co-working space here in Austin. And today I got an email being like, who wants their teeth whitened? And I was like, well, that's interesting. I didn't think about that as an amenity. So I was just curious kind of where you guys are at on amenities and what you're thinking about for the future. I think we've always actually been quite focused on that, but maybe because a, part, a minute and um, certain amenities has been like part of our differentiator or services or things that we offer to mm. to our members 
probably our most strange and weird differentiator is dogs on demand. And you can order a you can order a dog to your office for an hour. You can test it. Stop and it. <laughs> we will stop it. I love this so much. Are they like from the shelter or do we just no, have your dogs um, around? No, we have a partnership with a company called Borrow My Doggy. Um, people basically who can't take their dog to work will bring their dog to our office and our community managers will look after them for the day and people around the building that want to spend some time with the dog can do that too. Oh my God, I love that so much. I have literally been looking, and for years I've been trying to figure out a way, and we've even looked at bringing dogs to Juicy. But to be like, is there a way that we could like walk dogs or like, is there something we could do, especially to get the dogs out of the shelter, right? Like, I love that so much. And I would totally be using that amenity, 100%. Yeah, no, Borrow My Dog is an amazing platform run by a friend of mine called Rico which she's built over the last few years, helping dog owners and also dog lovers that can't own dogs connect to one another. Hey there, breaking in here to tell you about our upcoming conference. Join us in London this November for Juicy UK. We'll discuss the latest trends and innovations in the co-working and flex space world. In addition to our awesome sessions, attendees will be able to network with industry leaders and providers. We'll round out the Juicy experience with a happy hour and tour of local co-working spaces. Whether you're a space operator, investor, developer, vendor, or just co-curious, Juicy UK has something for you. Mark calendars and plan to join us in London on November 2nd and 3rd. See you there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, what else you got? Because that was amazing. Um, I mean, with other stuff that we've always had, it's not new, but we do like eight Wednesdays. So at 4 p.m. on Wednesdays, we bring everyone to the central point in the building. And cake queues can literally queue like up the stairs at times on busy days. Um, we have a Friday beer trolley, um, which is a hark back to the airplane theme. Um, oh, it's yeah, literally, yeah. It's literally an airplane trolley that goes around with drinks on it on a Friday just before the end of the weekend. But I think in terms of like what's changing and what we're looking at now, I think, you know, ESG has become a really um, mm. central part of all of our members' agendas as well as our own. Mm-hmm. Um and we became a B Corp last year. And something that we are currently looking at installing in all of our sites is multi-faith rooms, mm. you know, room, rooms for young mums, and, you know, wellness, like more kind of multi-use rooms that mm-hmm. have a perfect, like kind of also a specialness for people as well. Yeah, there was a room I went into. It was at Plantronics headquarters in Amsterdam. And, you know, they're a sound business and i walked into this room and basically you were surrounded by a video of snow falling in a forest so right there like your heart rate just goes down and it was playing this just stunning beautiful music with through probably i don't know 100 speakers and i was like this is what i want this right here like give me a zero gravity chair in this room and i think you could just you know I would visit it every day if it were in a space I had access to. Amazing. Yeah, it was really, really cool. So, yeah, I love that. And then, in so, I love the idea of the multi-faith room. I haven't heard anybody say that before. I've heard people have, like, nap rooms and rooms for people to go focus. But I love that idea of a place to go connect with whatever your higher power is. Yeah, and in certain parts of the UK, we get a lot of requests. In other parts, obviously, less requests, but something I think we want to make something that we have at every site as opposed to just where it's more popular because I think that 
it will become something that is something that's on companies' agendas when they're looking for office space. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I've been saying for years, like if you're not paying attention to ESG, like you will be passed up because it is something we all have to address. Just like with like it's it feels like mental health, everybody's kind of on board with that now and we've moved on to ESG, but it's interesting. I talked to a bunch of people and I said, Okay, I feel like I don't need to like beat the drum for mental health anymore. I figure I think everybody gets it now. And they were like, No, you need to still keep doing it. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of never goes away. Okay, so super self-serving question. What are you most looking forward to at Juicy this year? Yeah, I mean, I've met a lot at the Juicy conferences in the past. I think like it's really a perfect opportunity to hear from other thought leaders in the industry and see like a really broad range of the market and what everyone else is kind of doing. Also really looking forward to being part of the panel on community, hospitality and design, all like big pillars for the runways products. So I guess getting a chance to discuss how we approach them with people from the industry um, will be interesting and in seeing what the other people on the panel have to say too. Yeah. So just on that topic, I'm just really curious, like how do you design for community? Um, well, I can't give you all of our secrets. Um, <laughs> That's um, why my podcast does so well, because I just get everybody to tell me their secrets. <laughs> I think, you know, designing for community is like how you can get the space to uh, make people skill and how they actually use it to connect with other people. It's not really about the space itself. It's about how, it's about how people are going to use it. And I think areas for them, people to come together naturally, um, mm-hmm. kind of generally what creates that community feeling, spaces that are open, you know, that people feel welcome in. Like we want people to feel like they can put their feet on their seats. And I think that is, you know, a place that feels like yours. It feels like you're part of that community. Yeah. Yeah. I I always encourage folks to pay attention to like, if there's a space that's just kind of people just don't tend to utilize it then change the furniture, right? Move it around. Like it doesn't just because you designed it one way doesn't need to be static. And, you know, when I had a co-working space in Austin, we would rearrange it all the time because A, I would get bored with it. And B, Amazing. we found that it, it really helped people to get out of their comfort zone, right? Like, because people will naturally go kind of sit in the same place over and over and over and over. Well, if you move that place, then they can't sit there again. And it also helps more like kind of collisions within the space because we've changed the space on them. And yeah, I do totally it, agree about freshening, like changing it up and freshening it up. It's really important to, um, to do Yeah, that. I love that. I absolutely love that. And then I have one more question, then I'll get to our last question. But I'm just curious, you know, the London market is just really crowded and you guys have continued to do great and have continued to grow. And I think part of that is because you know who you are and you've got a real niche focus that you're working on. What do you see like for the future of London and co-working? Like, can we continue to just add and add and add? to this market that sometimes like walking down the street, you're like, oh my gosh, there's five co-working spaces on this street. Or is there enough for everybody and we can't build them fast enough for the demand coming our way? 
I think we could definitely overbuild for the demand. I don't think that's a sure thing at all. I think the truth is it's hard to, it's really hard to say because the market is in such a state of flux. We've had a period of like so much uncertainty that looks set to continue mm-hmm. from, you know, the political landscape and also to like people's like your COVID working from home. I feel like we've only really just settled into a pattern of working. Like mm-hmm. interestingly, this was the first year since COVID where we experienced summer again, where like, you know, in summer, like generally very quiet and people don't come to the office, lots of people don't buy offices, mm-hmm. people go on summer vacation and August is just dead. And for the last two years, it's not been like that at all. But then this year, it, it kind of feels like we're back to pre-COVID normality. I would say that, you know, I think demand is kind of at a, at a spot with where it was like pre-COVID. I think the high, maybe the high of just before. But if you like, I think a lot of operators are opening space aggressively again. And so I guess it's, you know, I think these things go in like little ups and downs. People open space. Some of it doesn't work out. There's a little contraction and, you know, I guess waves occur. Yeah. So I do think the, I don't think the market's too crowded at the moment. I think at the moment it feels, you know, easy to like exist in the market and not, you know, and manage to like work hard and do a decent job. But I do think that there's definitely a question over whether it will become too crowded in the future and what that tipping point will be. I think that the market is also expanding. A lot more people are leaving their leases and going into select space. And I think we will continue to see that market expand. But also landlords are also entering the market. So, you know, competition is not just increasing from other operators. It's all increasing from from landlords themselves entering with their own products. Yeah, definitely. And I think I agree with you. It was the first year we really saw summer in the States as well. And a few years, it does feel like It feels like it's settling, but it also feels very uncertain with all the geopolitical upheaval with, you know, climate change really affecting weather. It feels like, you know, it's kind of craziness. But what I am seeing is that, you know, the spaces that will win and continue to thrive in the future are the spaces like yours where people are building community and building connection and building belonging. And the spaces that will struggle in the future are the spaces that are just there for the sake of space, which generally identify as flex. I find that co-working people generally get community and get belonging and that flex is just we want to land grab people and have flexible lease terms. And I think those spaces will struggle in the long term because they're not giving people a reason and a community and a place because, you know, with the loneliness epidemic still off the charts. It's just so pivotal and so important. I feel like we have a moral obligation to provide these spaces where people can connect. Just as you said at the beginning, a third of your life is spent at work. Then that place should be amazing. And I think people will sell, continue to self-select in the spaces that deliver that. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Okay, so the last question is a zinger, and you have a choice, my dear, because I have found I've set so many people like into paralysis when I say, you know, what should I have asked that I didn't, which I totally love that question because then I get a really great question, right, that I didn't come up with. But you are also absolutely welcome to tell us what you would go back and tell 12-year-old Natasha about her future. 
well, I think, I don't think 12-year-old Natasha had visions of becoming a lady who lunched. So I think she'd be very surprised to see that she's not just working in an office, but she runs an office company. I love that. So let's, let's not scare her too much. I guess what do you think? <laughs> what do I think you should have asked me? I guess I think the tough question and the thing that we're probably not t- like talking enough about mm-hmm. is, and the real challenge for a business like us at the moment is operational costs mm-hmm. and their like rapid growth and the rapid mm. growth in capital expenditure to fit out new locations. And I think that's the main challenge for a business like us that's on the horizon that at the moment, that, you know, it isn't clear what, you know, what the future holds for it. We've obviously had a very uncertain time, which mm-hmm. have led to a lot of like higher interest rates. And it also led to all of our costs like massively increasing. But as business, you know, wider business market is also uncertain and struggling. You know, it's hard to pass those costs back on to customers at the moment. I think that is the, biggest challenge that operators like myself face at the moment yeah yeah i would absolutely agree with you and that's a really good point and a great question because it's like the the dirty little secret of the industry is the margins are very slim and with operational costs going up that's really scary although it's interesting i was talking to a friend of mine last night who's a real estate guy here in austin texas and he had gone and visited a competitor's co-working space and he came back and was like, we need to raise our prices because the competitor was charging a lot more and their space was more full. So I would also say, you know, maybe think about, do you need to raise your prices? Like this year, we had to raise the prices of juicy tickets because we're experiencing the same thing. And I know it's a very scary thing to do, but... I do know out of the times I did quite a few price increases in my co-working space. And did we occasionally lose a person? Sure. Yeah, we did. But you know what? We, we replaced them with somebody that paid more and valued it more. Yeah, I think interestingly, one of the challenges in the London market is, a, you know, a discounting culture by certain operators has led to customers not valuing the price as much as they used. I feel like that has actually trended backwards where people mm. are expecting to pay less now than they maybe were a few years ago because they've gone through this time of getting all these discounts, 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 and sort of got away actually costs to run sets. And I think that's a, a re-education it's kind of like needed in that. I think that you know, it's London's real estate prices, like the cost of rent, the cost of rates, the cost of services, it actually like is high in this city. Um, mm-hmm. One of the most expensive cities in the world. Um, yes, and I think that hasn't necessarily translate. Like a lot of customers have kind of forgotten that because they've got used yeah. to paying half price for office space, and they're like, "What? Did, why does it cost this much? It can't possibly." I think that's what the other challenge. I think hopefully the next twelve months should start to reset. I think there is a there should be an opportunity to start to move new prices. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, Natasha, you are. So amazing. I'm so proud of you. I love seeing a woman CEO in this industry expanding and growing. And you're unique in that. You know, there aren't a ton of women leaders out there in our industry, and you are definitely one of them. And I'm so excited I get to see you next month in London. And again, congratulations because you're killing it. Thank you so much. That's very kind. Appreciate it. 
All right, y'all stay tuned. We have a lot more juicy podcasts coming this year and we hope to see some of you guys in London real soon. Take care y'all and we'll see you on the next juicy podcast. Thank you.